what is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is here, the host of the Red Hot Real Estate Show from Remax Results, Miss Mimi Shoneman. Hello, Mimi. Good morning. Hello. Good to see you. Good to see you. Also, glad to hear the lovely, melodious voice of our friend Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage. How's it going over there, Phil? Yo, guys, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Always glad to hear your voice. Why don't we throw those NMLS numbers out there for us, please, Phil? All right, NMLS 238-103, company NMLS 3029 Cross Country Mortgage. I think of you guys often because every time I'm watching the news, even it's a story every day about how crazy crunch countrywide the real estate market is. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... We, we have to say kudos out there to all of our buyers that mm-hmm. are listening, and we understand your pain points. We're going to do a, a, a brief market update and kind of let everybody know kind of what, from our perspective, what we're seeing out there. And, you know, what you're reading on the news or hearing on the news is absolutely the truth. Okay. Um, right now in the Twin Cities, we're sitting on 0.9 months of inventory. Last year, we had 2.5. Do you remember how much pain we felt then? Yes. And we talked about it. And when a normal market is between five and six months of inventory, we have less than one here in the metro. And that's metro-wide. And in some cities, uh, there's less than that. Right. So, you know, it depends. And it depends on the price point, too. If you're looking for anything under 300 in any city, you have, you're going to be experiencing the most pain. And Phil and Mimi, one of the things that I saw that I wanted to talk to you about is I saw an article where they were talking about how difficult it was right now, but it really also implied that you should still start the process even though things are difficult because the signs, and again, none of us have a crystal ball, didn't really seem that things were going to let up anytime soon. It's not like, well, if you wait six months then all of a sudden there'll be inventory. It was, you kind of just have to get in there and start grinding it out is what this article kind of implied. Well, so the population is not going down. Right. And people are hunkering down in their pre-existing homes mm-hmm. because they haven't seen what they what they deem is something that they would be willing to move towards. Okay. Um, Phil and I were talking before the show. Phil, Phil, let's talk about some of the things that we're seeing um, about the bond market that may be affecting things? Well, the bond market uh, crashed here over the last uh, 30 days. It took the biggest drop in 45 years since 1976. Uh, the market uh, reacted to that. Mortgage interest rates rose by well over a half to three-quarters of a percent. And and the main reason that that happened is your fair ch- Fed chairperson and Fed presidents across the United States uh, started using a really dirty word. That dirty word is called inflation. And the Fed chairperson even used the word stagflation, which is even a bigger dirty word, which it freaks out the market. Okay. And as we're full, as we're fully aware, we're starting to see, you know, food costs have gone up. Housing costs have gone up. Gasoline prices have gone up. So yes, um, and with all this money that's being given to people, it's actually putting, I would say, fuel on the fire, which could cause even more inflation. 
And so inflation, you know, I was a kid the last time I heard that word. Right. Like, a, a, you know, and so I remember seeing on television news stories of people in their old, you know, Oldsmobiles, uh, just lines and lines. I can vividly remember seeing them talk about it. Right. Uh, Phil, I know you probably do as well. Oh, I can remember being with my father in a two-mile line for gasoline back wow. in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the, you and I were talking about the, the thing that's happening in the Suez Canal and how that's going to be affecting the supply chain. You want to talk about that? Sure. We ended up having an accident in the Suez Canal, and there's a big, giant uh, transport ship with uh, like a thousand different containers on top of it, and it's completely gone sideways, right? Uh, more, mooring itself into both sides of the channel. Now, people might not think that's a big deal. They're saying well, it's the going to take weeks, not, weeks to yeah. remove that. Well, right now there's two tugboats supposedly coming out of Europe, hoping they can move it. The bigger issue is right now there's 320 ships out, out at sea right now, waiting to get through that that canal, and it's going to cause a supply chain issue, meaning that businesses and retailers and factories are not going to be able to get their parts that they need throughout the world. So we could that could end up also causing um, – we could possibly see the markets move tomorrow based on these two tugboats. And when so you say that'll that- be interesting to see. Yeah. And so when you say the markets, not just the stock markets, but perhaps the interest rates are going to be adjusting tomorrow as well. Well, I mean, you got your stock market and you got the bond market. They they go sometimes they go in reverse uh, order. You know, stocks go up, the market goes up, the bond market goes down, mortgage backed securities, be it mortgage rates go up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here tomorrow, tomorrow when the markets open. What do you think is going to happen? Um, I think it still could be flat. I don't think it's going to move the bond market that much. But over time, if they're not able to get this uh, tanker out of the Suez Canal, you're looking at a big mess down the road. And so what are you seeing for your clients that maybe two weeks ago were approved for what was what was the interest rate two weeks ago? Uh, two weeks ago, we were probably at about three percent. Now we're closer to three and a quarter. Okay. Um, I have one client that I had to call here over the weekend and let them know that their purchasing power dropped by fifteen thousand dollars, and that they could not be looking at a specific price point anymore based on their payment going up. Right. And so we're having to have that conversation with everybody we work with, because if you're pre-approved for, let's just say, 300, and let's just remind everybody that the, the median price in the metro is 315. So 300,000 is nothing to sneeze at. That's a lot of cash. That's a lot of money. And nobody's saying that it isn't, but it's still not even up to the median. And so if you have to be, if you're not finding what you want at 300, and then your loan officer, like Phil, calls you and say, guess what? We got to drop you down to 285. Right. You're really thinking that you need to be starting about $30,000 under that. So what do, as people are planning and knowing that this might take longer than they had hoped, what are the steps they should be taking to stay able to buy a home? My opinion is that... Our consumers need to understand that beggars cannot be choosers. Okay. 
And there is no champagne happening unless that you have plenty of cash, boatloads of it. Okay. Um, Phil, what are you seeing with regard to that? You know, expectations Uh-oh. are high. Still. Well, one of the one of the things that I'm trying to help my clients with is coming up with additional options. Okay. Yes. All right. Additional options, meaning. All right, let's bring on a non-occupant co-signer if we need it. Uh, let's look at do we have to maybe pay off debt versus more down payment? Sometimes we can free up more cash flow and create more purchasing power by paying down debt. And considering mortgage insurance is very, very cheap, you know, the, the, the people think they have to put 20% down and, and mortgage insurance is like uh, skull and crossbones. It really isn't. Okay. okay. Sometimes the consumer is better off uh, financially putting 5 or 10% down and maybe we reduce their outgoing expense by five to $1,000 a month. Well, guess what? Now you can afford more homes. So what I'm trying to do with my clients is position them with multiple, multiple options, which is then helping me and the other agents I work with put together offers that will be viewed by sellers as being a competitive offer. Okay. And so, you know, sellers, from a seller's perspective, they're looking at everything. They're looking at all of the contingencies. They're looking at how much is being put down. They're looking at uh, the lender who, who are you working with? Does that lender have a reputation of being able to take you to closing and it close on time? Right. They're looking at the realtor and they're saying, what's the realtor's capability? Are, do they understand how to negotiate? Do they understand that the people that they're working with, have they coached the people that they're working with so that they don't have to fear that that particular buyer is going to cause jeopardy for them? Right. And so it, it's a whole package. And so... When we come back from the break, I'd like to talk a little bit more about contingencies. And then, Phil, where would you like to go? I'd like to tell the uh, the story of the month with the bridge loan. Perfect. All right. We can also take your calls. You can be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Just call 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to uh, the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Ms. Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from Remax Results here and the Red Hot Real Estate Group. Also, our friend from Cross Country Mortgage, Phil Olson, reminding you if you have any questions, today is a great day to call. The number is 651-641-1071. Yeah, so I don't want everybody to think that it's all doom and gloom out there because it's not. You know, Phil and I have had some some really nice successes and some really good wins with some of our clients. Right, Phil? Why why don't you tell one of the stories? (laughs) Okay. Why don't you tell me which one to tell? (laughs) Ready? Rock, paper, scissors, Uh, you two. Okay. (laughs) How about uh, we just ended up helping clients get into a brand new, new built home? Yeah, we did. And that was a huge win. So they're all in, they're all moved in and uh, happy. You know, they're, they're really pleased because their, their property has already gone up in value. Uh, so, Phil, let's talk about that. Um, you know, so if you're buying a house and you're, you're wanting to negotiate, let's okay. just say you've got the old school mentality that you're going to ask for this, that and the other thing and and you're you just need to you just need to get something to win. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like 
So I, I remind people that you have to be careful about which hill it is that you choose to die on. Okay. Um, so in, in this market, uh, you just have to be careful. So if you're having, if you're fortunate enough to have a seller that would allow you to have a home inspection, mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of home inspections being waived by the buyers. Okay. And, um, you know, so there's, there's risk there. But if you do have a home inspection, you have to be cognizant of what really a home inspection is for and whether or not the seller would be willing to do anything that you said that needed to be done. Now, this I would might s- be things that you go, well, now I know full now disclosure know. what I'm buying. Exactly. But that doesn't mean that they're going to f- correct or fix anything. Yes. Okay. And you need to really just be concerned about safety things. Um, so, Phil, what are you seeing with regard to contingencies on your side of the fence in mortgage? Uh, what I'm seeing is is the more contingencies a buyer is asking for, their offer is going that much farther down to the bottom of the pile, and they're ending up getting a rude awakening call gotcha. that evening. You didn't get the house, right? Unfortunately, you know, and and you can bring your A game and still not get picked. Okay. So you know, cash is still king, and uh, cash rules because of a couple different reasons. You can close faster. Uh, there's typically no appraisal, and they don't have to worry about that. Now, our sellers out there right now are actually expecting buyers. If you over over ask over over top of your asking price, well, what happens if the house doesn't appraise? Right. Then you have to be having the conversation with your buyers. Do you have the capability to make that? Uh, difference up mm-hmm. because you know if you don't and the seller doesn't agree ahead of time to make up the appraisal gap or to drop the price then you actually could lose the house after you've spent the money and the time having the home appraisal phil yes that you bring up a great point of covering the appraisal difference now for those buyers that are putting minimums down say three and a half three percent five percent ten percent uh you know, that could be, you know, they could be coming with an additional five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars to the table. For those clients, though, they're putting 30% down. We have a client like that where, where the house hasn't appraised and it came in short. They're not coming with any more money to the table. Their loan to value is just changing from 70% to about 74%. And nothing's changing. Their, their payment's the same. Their loan amount's the same. Nothing's really changing in that situation. Unfortunately, I would say probably 75% of consumers are between somewhere between three and 15% down and they're not putting the full 20% down. And unfortunately, that's just one of the, one of the ticks that the sellers are looking at. Uh, they're looking at the whole package. They're looking at how much is it down? How fast can you close? Mm-hmm. Um, are you are you capable of making up the appraisal gap if there is one, and and so forth? And so, Phil, let's talk a little bit about uh, the the buyers out there that have to use FHA. Let's talk about first why would a buyer need to use FHA? I've got one right now. They filed a Chapter Thirteen eighteen months ago. Okay. Now, believe it or not, if you're in a Chapter 13 and you can show 12 months consistent payments, you qualify for FHA. Whereas on a conventional loan, there's basically about a four-year waiting period. You got to be two years out of discharge of the Chapter 13. 
So there's a situation where the consumer has to go with a government loan. What's a government loan? USDA, FHA, VA. But for those, for, for those clients that aren't veterans and they're not buying in rural Minnesota or rural southern Minnesota, they're stuck with an FHA loan. Now, I don't want people to think you're stuck with an FHA loan or an FHA loan is a bad loan, but there's some downsides. Okay. And the downsides that sellers see is one, is your, your appraisal is tougher, okay? Uh, number two, with an FHA loan, um, there's specific things that can be wrong on your house that would pass on a conventional loan whereas they won't pass on an FHA, such as the common one, peeling paint. Right. All right. All right. That has to be rectified before you close. Now, so there are some downsides to an FHA loan. There's upsides, though. They're at a lower interest rate currently than a conventional loan. So sometimes your payment can actually be less. Right. Unfortunately, when we talk about the hierarchy of loans, like Mimi said, a cash buyer is most preferred. Next would be a conventional loan. After that, it would be a VA loan. After that, it would be an FHA loan and so forth and so forth and so forth. And so also, too, with your FHA loans, the mortgage insurance stays with that loan for the life of the loan. And, you know, so you have to you have to weigh that, uh, whether or not that low payment, like Phil said, the interest rates are less right now. Um, that fluctuates. And so maybe that's a good thing. And maybe you would be able to get into a house and then you could refinance that off um, at a later date. But still, let's just talk, Phil. So you have the vantage point that I don't because you work with a variety of different real estate companies and realtors. And so you see a lot of offers that come across your desk that are different vantage points. So different strategies, different things that are people are doing that uh, are winning offers. So let's talk about a success that you may have seen recently with FHA. Um, a success with FHA that I had recently is the, the client, and, and this was, I think, I got the purchase agreement three weeks ago. Uh, the clients offered mo- far more money than the cash offer and the conventional offer. And because they have it is fairly large assets. Uh, the offer that they made, believe it or not, their purchase, the listing price was three hundred five. They offered three sixty. Yes, they offered fifty five thousand dollars over list price, and the house came in at three forty five. But they're covering the difference of the fifteen thousand dollars. And those clients, they just went up to the plate and they hit a home run. Mm-hmm. I mean, a mega home run. Now, am I telling everybody that they have to do that? No, but my clients wanted the house. Right. And so people ask me, what is really enough? And so we don't know. We really right. don't know. Right, Phil? Yeah. I mean, so it's kind of like magic, right? Yeah. So it's like, well, how do you know what the next person is willing to do? Yes. Uh, you don't. I don't know how much you've got in your savings account, exactly. Ms. Shannon. Or what I can get from my auntie or, or you know, kind of thing. Or like, just how mm-hmm. bad you want a house. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's, 
It's one of those things where we can tell you what we're seeing that's closing, mm-hmm. but this is so recent. Really, we really saw this kick off about the first of the year. Right. So we're not even 90 days in to see all of this this competitiveness that is, is happening, and it's all very new. Right. Phil? All right. So here's a statistic for you guys. I've taken 37 purchase agreements since the very beginning of the new year. Yes. Of the 37 purchase agreements, I have one that's at list price. Okay. I have the lowest offer over list price is 10 grand. Okay. The highest, the highest over list is $55,000, and that was the one I was just telling you about. And the average is 7 to 15% over list to get a house. Wow. And of those 37 offers, I only have two offers where the sellers are paying the closing costs. And why is that? Why did they agree to do it? Um, one is a veteran, and he, they're a disabled veteran, and they wrote a very nice letter. So I think they, they felt compassionate for the client's situation. Uh, the other one, I have no clue. I think we just got lucky. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we're talking... You know, that's not nothing when you got to pay your own closing costs. Right. Typically, about 3% of the sales price is a good I, good number to use to calculate your closing costs. So when we come back from the break, Phil, we're going to talk about your story of the month. And then we continue to take our calls. Right. You can call us at 651-641-1071. You're listening to the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Also want to remind you, you can get this episode and previous episodes. Just go to our website, mytalk1071.com, keyword Red Hot. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on MyTalk1071 and streaming on mytalk1071.com. I'm Ms. Shannon here with my friend Mimi Shoneman from Remax Results and the Red Hot Real Estate Group. Also from Cross Country Mortgage, Mr. Phil Olson. You know, I was... you know, we're just given some good strategies on how you can get a home in this seller's market. And we know it's tough out there. Well, you, you know, know, here's the thing. Um, from a real estate perspective on the listing side, if I'm representing a seller, I'm looking at everything. Okay. I'm looking at how difficult do you make it for us? Yes. Are you are you blowing my phone up? Are you are you asking good questions or not so good questions? Okay. Is your offer packaged nicely? Um, or do or do you have to sort through a, a lot of things to find what you need to know? Right. And is it written cleanly and perfectly? And, you know, it's kind of like, so, you know, in my former job, uh, you know, in staffing. Yes. Uh, so I presented a candidate to this particular recruiter and really well qualified candidate. And mm-hmm. that candidate had a spelling error on their resume. Okay. One little letter, one letter. And they they refused that candidate because of their attention to detail. Okay. Okay. And so and so the same can go with reviewing offers. Right. You know, is your offer is there something wrong with it? You know, do it really matters who you work with in this market. Right. Phil, I would totally agree. I mean, um, I've been doing this so long, and I know so many people. Uh, they see an offer that's coming from me. Uh, normally I don't even get the phone call from the listing agent because they know if I pen my name to it, it's closing. Okay. And, you know, right now, CCM, we also came out with, with something real quick is what's called our $10,000 guarantee, which basically says that if I put my name to this and I run it through our $10,000 guarantee program, 
We will pay the sellers $5,000 and we will pay the buyers $5,000 towards their closing costs if we don't close on time. That's just another another piece of the puzzle that Mimi and I can bring to the table that might help you get that offer accepted by that seller. And so from an insider's perspective, you know, having been a realtor now for 15 years, and I can't even believe it, um, we know the the reputation of lenders. We know who's going to close on time, who's, who's given us grief. We know how they treat us. We know how they've our, treated our sellers or our buyers. And we know if they close on time. And nobody in this market wants to close late. And so having a guarantee is, is super important. That just tells everybody that all the, you know, I's have been dotted and the T's have been crossed. I mean, Phil, you know, you close on time. Let's just say it like it is. Mm-hmm. You know, Cross Country Mortgage and Phil Olson, great to work with. Phenomenal. I never have to worry about anything when I work with Phil. So there's that endorsement, Phil. How <laughs> <Right>. about that? <laughs> Thank you, dear. I, hey, guys, I really enjoy what I do. I enjoy working with my clients. And, and like I've said before, I'm going to tell the client the good, the bad, the ugly, but I'm going to position that client and I'm going to do the legwork up front in the beginning so that way we're not, we're not running through some type of valley fair roller coaster ride at the end because it's not fun. So I'd rather do the work up front and say, hey, client, you need to wait a little bit. Give me a day to figure this out and then come back with a good game plan to get them across the finish line. And Phil, you know, I'm not going to fish or nothing, but where's my love? (laughs) You are one of the best agents I work with, Mimi. And I'm telling you that honestly, because you are, you're very detail oriented. I don't have to worry about a messed up purchase agreement. And uh, your purchase agreements match up with my loan documents, which they must. So, and we've been just a great team. Our clients love us, and but we're just not going to tell people what they want to hear. No, you know? and that's painful sometimes, right? Because we're pleasers, you know. Yes. So sometimes it's really tough to tell somebody this isn't going to work. It's not going to work, mm-hmm. and this is what we have to do in order to, you know, my goal when working with somebody is to help sell their house mm-hmm. or to help them find a house. Right. That is the end goal, mm-hmm. and so. You tell me what you can spend, what you want for your house, and we'll work towards that goal together. If you just want entourage, you need to hire somebody else. Well, I'm just going to tell you, and I I do want to put a plug out there for the folks out there that think that their house is so ugly that we can't walk through it. I'm just going to tell you that there is nothing that you have in your house that I haven't seen already. Right. And we can walk through it together and come up with a plan. You do not have to sell your house for a haircut. Right. And get a clip mm-hmm. in the bank. Right. Because you feel like your house is too ugly. Do not use those services without calling us for a second opinion. It's funny because you were I was talking to my best friend who actually lives in, in Texas and I was going, Well, it's not exactly the same, but let me tell you what my friend Mimi and Phil were saying because he and his husband are looking for a house there and they were using the words, Well, we could live here. I'm like, Hey, you need if that's the one that you think you're going to get your offer accepted on, you need to take that house. <laughs> you need to throw all of your energy into it, man. Because the other ones that you're like, well, this is better and that's that, but you don't, you know, but you have reasons why you wouldn't sell it to yourself, then you need to listen to your inner critic. Like you like, like if you wouldn't pick you, then, <laughs> then you need listen, to go with the one that you think you could get picked on. Okay, so let's just talk. I know Phil's wanting to jump in here for right. give me a second. Um 
So if you don't like the... Okay, so here's the number one thing you need to think about when you're buying a house. It has to be about the neighborhood. Yeah. It must be about the neighborhood. You can fix the house. Right. And that's what I was telling him. You know, I'm like, hey, everything else. He's like, well, we didn't really like this. You could tell that they used to do this. And these are the people that were renting it out before. I'm like, none of that should concern you. Like, you need to get in this house. If the house is structural and you like the Mm -hmm. neighborhood... We can do that. Phil's got rehab loans. Right. Talk about that, yeah. Phil. I, I, I've got rehab loans, but right now I've got probably 30 or 40 buyers that would, would buy an ugly house right now as long as it's got good bones. Good bones. So for, those folks, for those folks out there that have an ugly house, call Mimi immediately. Let's get that house on the market because I've got buyers that'll buy it as is, as long as it'll pass an inspection. Right, ugly is relative. You know what? Mm -hmm. I I don't mind being ugly. It's okay. (laughs) I've got the whole package going on. You know, so as long as you're in the right neighborhood, that is the number one thing. Second thing is structural. Yes. I mean, if the thing is not tilted over to the side and, you, you know, we can walk through it and talk through those things together. This is not my first rodeo or Phil's. Right. <laughs> we, right. Re- we remember inflation. Right. Right, Phil? <laughs> what does that say? Exactly. I'm going to just, yeah, this is not good. Um, anyway, we're going to change subjects here. You want to jump in and say something quick? <laughs> uh, well, I just wanted to tell you that purchase of the month. We yes. want to talk about oh, it? Oh, sure, yeah. Please. Let's do that. All right. So client is buying a home for $400,000. And they are putting down, it is uh, 20% down. They go to another lender applying for a bridge loan. And the bridge loan gets turned down, unfortunately. Well, guess what? It was one of the my talkers that called, talked to this client and said, call Phil. Well, guess what? I talked with the client. Yep, I figure out that they've got three debts. Their debt-to-income ratios are too high, but they got a 401k loan that if we pay off these three debts, they bring their DTIs down to 43. So here's the solution. We fix the DTIs or debt-to-income ratios in three days. I got the bridge loan within four days. We made an offer as a buy first, sell second, and yes, my client got the house. We hit a home run. Congratulations to them. So here's the thing that I think that we do really well, okay, as a team, Phil and I. When somebody tells us no, we just look at that as a, what? how am I going to get over that hill? How am I going to get around that? How am I going to fix it? How am I going to make it happen? You know, I don't like taking no for an answer, and I know Phil doesn't either. Um, Phil, so, you know, your bridge loan, why did you even do one to begin with? And explain what a bridge loan is in case somebody doesn't know. A bridge loan is is where a client owns a home. They have all their money is in the equity of their home. They don't have money in the bank, but they found a house that they can qualify for, but they want to put a sizable down payment on the house. But since they have no money in the bank, we then borrow against their current home, and then we pay that bridge loan. It's temporary short-term financing off when we sell their home perfect and that helped them to be able to to make some nominal improvements so that the house was maybe more show ready and then get them into the next house well in this scenario they use the full bridge loan as the down payment towards their other property because they're keeping that property they're going to move into the property 
clear it out, fix up their other home, and then they're going to put it up for sale. Yes. And that means they were a non-contingent offer. Yes. Now, let's talk about con- that contingency. If if you have 30 offers, and they're, they're all across the board, different down payments, different mm-hmm. percentages, what right. have you, um, and you get one where it says, we want you to wait until we sell our house to guarantee to buy your house. Mm-hmm. How does that sit with you, Miss Shannon? Right. Why am I waiting for you when I got all 20, these other offers? Twenty nine other people in line. Mm-hmm. You you almost never win, right. right, Phil? Have you seen a contingent offer that was accepted lately? I've had I've had one contingent offer of the thirty seven offered, okay. and that was based on the fact that the sellers were not wanting to sell for four months. Okay. So they accepted a contingency offer. But right now, the contingency word or a contingency offer based on the sale of my home is, is like cross, like skull and crossbones again. Yes. Poison. You know, so I want to talk about our cash buyers out there. You know, there's a lot of positive about a cash buyer. But if you've got a good conventional buyer that's offering more money with less contingencies and they're willing to make up the appraisal gap, perhaps maybe that buyer is the right buyer for you. Right. You don't have to to automatically accept a cash buyer. And in fact, you know, cash buyers may have a lot more uh, things that they expect. What is your experience with that, Phil? The cash buyers that I'm seeing in talking with uh, peeps out there, is their offers are not, sometimes they're dramatically less than the best offer out there on the okay. conventional side. Right. They're so trying no, to get the cash, house at a steal. Gotcha. They're trying to get the house at a steal based on that lower amount. Yeah. And, you know, so it's really difficult to convey that to someone who is your buyer that is a cash buyer. They do think that because they have amassed all of this wealth and they have the ability to do that, that that puts them into a higher negotiating place. But what we're really seeing is that is not the case. I have seen several cash buyers get beat out recently. Phil? My FHA buyer for 55,000 over list, there was two cash offers. They took the FHA for 55,000 over the 305 and the house sold for 360. And they so brought, there you go. And they brought mm-hmm. the difference. They had the money. They had the money. Right. And they brought the difference in the appraised value should the appraisal come in light. Okay. And then, so let's talk about where people get money. Um, if they, if, let's just say that you've got a, an FHA buyer that's got 5% down and they need to pay their own closing costs. So there's that. And then they also would love to be able to make up the appraisal gap. But what, what are they going to do? Where are they going to get that extra money? Well, let's talk about pulling from their 401k because there's a lot of fear. And I think a lot of unknowns and and maybe misinformation about that. Phil? I've I've probably done it close to 500 to 1,000 times in my career. There is no downside to borrowing against your 401k as long as the 401k is currently with your current employer. There is no capital gains. There is no taxation to the federal government. You're not penalized. There is no prepayment penalty. And then when when you hear the words, well, I'm charged interest, 
Well, yes, the interest you can be charged is maybe 3 to 5%, but you're paying that back to yourself. That's going right back into your fund. So for, for those that are going to borrow against their 401k, think about it is that's an investment. While you buy in a house, you're investing in a home, all right? That's a part of your portfolio. So by you taking that money out of your 401k to put as a down payment or closing cost, well, guess what? Now you're investing in, in real estate. Now right. I've got investments in the market. Now I've got real estate. And any good financial planner will tell you the more diversified you are in the market, the better off you are. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. We also encourage you to find this episode and previous episodes not only on our website, but also on our app. Just use the keyword Red Hot. Okay. Well, so we talked a little bit. We kind of jump around a little bit, but that's what we do. Right. Um, new construction. I yes. just want to put it out there. So Phil and I were talking before the show about how much wood and all the materials that go into building new construction how much they've gone up over the last year phil what was that number about 150 lumber costs have gone up 130 percent just in the last year shingles siding windows uh, a lot of that is on back order due to covid uh new construction housing costs have skyrocketed in the last year and a lot of builders right now are telling consumers it's going to be a 9- to 12-month build cycle when it was normally a 5-month build cycle. That's 100% so, sure. Okay. And they're also yeah, just in the, be careful. Yeah, 100% be careful. And you also want to have somebody review those contracts for you and, and just to make sure that you got a couple eyeballs on it. Um, you know, they're also factoring in uh, cost increases into the contracts and you may not know that. You may be very surprised that you're going to have to make that up when you get to closing. Phil? I've got a client where the, the builder came back to the client halfway through the build and told the client that they had to pay an additional $35,000 for the lumber cost. And it was in the contract. It was very vague verbiage. I strongly tell people have a good qualified real estate agent like Mimi review that purchase contract with the builder so you can understand what your obligation is and also understand that once you give the earnest money to that builder and you don't go to the closing table and you back out, they're keeping it. Yeah, so if you are thinking about new construction, we want to have a conversation with you. You can reach out to us by texting real estate to 651-578-2218. You can also text mortgage to that very same number, and Phil will be able to help you. Um, so we definitely want our new construction. And, and Phil, we were talking about the most profitable time to buy new construction is when the builder is in phase one or in the very last phase. And that the most expensive are the phases in between. Now, why is that? So Correct. phase one is when they just broke ground? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's where you're going to have your most because prices are going to continue to go up. So you're getting in on ground floor, literally, Okay. on the phase one. And so and phase the very last phase could be the most undesirable lots in that development. Oh, so if they've gotten, if the other ones have already been purchased... Yes. This is one of the ones that's still available. It's the very last ones, gotcha. the okay. ones that weren't picked first, like, gotcha. like dodgeball. Ah, uh, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Gotcha. Okay. Well done. Yes. Phil? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, frequently I see builders, <coughs> excuse me, raising costs in the middle phases of 
of the build cycle. Um, the reason houses are normally cheaper in the first phase is because the worst thing a builder wants is to have people come to a model home and there's no other homes in the development. Nothing else is done in the development other than they've got a sketch. So what they'll try to do is they'll incentivize people to get into the first phase at a cheaper price. Okay. And as the phases, as the phases continue, they'll normally raise prices. And right now they're raising prices anyhow because that nasty word again, inflation. Okay. Uh, all the, all the pieces of the house are going up in price. Now, I have I have known people that have used this as a wealth building strategy. They will buy in phase one and then they'll wait like a phase four, sell it and move on and do it again. Wow. And so they're making that spread, you know, because there's not enough houses in that development, especially if it's a popular development. Um, And that's that's legitimate. You just keep doing it. Just Mm -hmm. keep moving. Okay. Yeah, so if that's you, we want we want to help you with that. <laughs> right. All right, Phil. Uh, we have about four minutes here. Let's talk a little bit about maneuvering student loans. All right. So there are a multitude of regulations regarding student loans and how they're viewed by lenders, be it from a, a mortgage company perspective who sells all their loans directly to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginny Mae. Those are the three entities. And... I would say probably 97% of all mortgages are securitized by either Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Ginnie Mae. So understand if you've got $100,000 in student loans and you are in a deferred status, we still have to hit that consumer for either a 1% penalty of $100,000, which would be $1,000 a month. That would be Fannie Mae. Or a a half a percent for Freddie Mac which would be $500 a month. So we have to take those into account now. Okay. Yeah? So I just want to clear that up. Okay. So we're talking about debt that you have to calculate against them. And so if they have $100,000 for Fannie Mae, you've got to calculate 1% of that $100,000 as debt that they would have to report. Is that right? As a monthly debt, as $1,000. So okay. even though it says zero and deferred, I have to put a thousand dollars a month against their debt to income ratio. Now, there is such a thing as what's called an IBR. It's called an income based repayment program. If a consumer is on an income based repayment program and they have documentation from the federal government that the true payment is zero, we do not have to hit them for a payment. Recently, I worked with a client so to get their student loans on an IBR. We were able to shave off $700 a month in monthly debt, and that allowed that consumer to buy more homes. Now, the government, though, FHA, VA, USDA, they got different guidelines. For the most part, it's 1%. Okay. Well, there's a lot to know about student loans, and if you're listening and you have questions about student loans, we definitely want to give Phil a call so he can take a look at that. And Phil, your best phone number, please. 651-238-6748 or email me at phil at com. And Mimi, we have given up your text number. Let's do that again and remind people what information they can get from you. Yeah, anything you need to know about real estate or mortgage, you can text your question 
Um, and we can help you answer all of your questions. And for those folks out there that are thinking about selling and you're confused or you're scared, you don't know what to do, let's have a conversation. We don't bite. And right. I, might, I might even buy you coffee. Right. <laughs> so, again, that text number is 651-578-2218. You can always get their information as well by going to our website. It's mytalk1071.com. Keyword red hot. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Mimi. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Miss Sharon.